Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Nobody wanted to hire me. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Men can't do laundry. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. That bottle of Topo Chico, it lit up my month. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. No one to walk away and no one to run. everyone and welcome to what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood this is margaret and this is amy and this is the 2022 year in review year in review i was trying to give you like a news voice another trip around the sun for us ames another many many episodes that we learned and laughed and we lived laughed and loved these episodes friends and now we're going to Brr, brr, brr. Take a look back. <laughs> back in my day. If you're not an oldie locks, that is the Wayne's World. We're about to go back in time sound effect that I just made. This week, we're going to talk about some of our very favorite episodes for different reasons from the past year. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a Spotify playlist where you can just hear them all at once. I mean, Amy, the technology need a last minute gift. How about a Spotify playlist of the best apps of What Fresh Hell? Yeah. I mean, it's not a great gift, frankly, but I mean, I would love it. The best things in life are free, including that playlist and this week's mailbag. Did you like that segue? Hit me. This week's mailbag is from Kayla on Instagram. She wrote us to say that the episode, is this supposed to be more fun? She said, that episode cracked me up. My husband and daughter both had the same week off for fall break. The most fun I had that week was sitting in the emergency room for four hours by myself. I'm fine now, says Kayla, but military health care is complicated sometimes. Also, she's coming in with another hot take. Also, Hot Wheels and Polly Pockets are literally my life. I am glad I'm not the only one that hate them so much. I love the kids. I hate playing them. Their games. You're not alone, Kayla. No, you're definitely not alone. I will say I banned Polly Pockets. I didn't even know what they were, but I heard enough terrible things about them that we never had them in the house. <laughs> my kids had another thing. My daughter had another thing that was like a million little pieces. And I, I just, it's the worst. The boys' toys, I'm not saying that boys have to like them, but the toys that are designed for boys are like endless categorization, right? And the toys that are designed for girls have teeny, tiny, teeny pieces. Yeah. Ooh. 
Not great. My daughter went through an LOL doll phase, and that was a dark time. <laughs> and then you would buy them. I think I talked about this on the podcast. It wasn't an LOL time? No, we were not. I was not LOLing at all. I was sob, sob, sobbing. Yeah. I don't know that you would buy them, and they weren't the right ones. And da, 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 da. it was like you would get them, and then it would be crying because they weren't a unique, and they weren't the right kind. Not. I don't look back on that time with a lot of fondness. Can we start with what you thought was the funniest episode this year? We can. I don't know what these are yet, you guys. We're going to see if our answers to these questions match. Margaret, what was your funniest episode? I had an easy... There were some funny episodes, but leader in the clubhouse for me had to be grudges held, grudges kept. Oh, yes. There's nothing that tickles my funny bone, maybe because I come from an Irish grudge-filled fam. There's nothing that tickles my funny bone quite in the way that remembering really small grudges does. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and re-listen and look it up because the one that made me the happiest was Caitlin's husband, who I shouted out when we did the episode. She said, my husband is still angry at a local pumpkin farm because the guy told him a squash from the $1 table was $5 and had a little attitude when we put it back. Every time we drive by, Husband says, I hate that pumpkin farm. <laughs> Edited to add, it's probably been 10 years. <laughs> and it's just like that. And there was a lady whose mom was from the Caribbean and would never buy Chiquita bananas because they did something wrong in the Caribbean back in the day. I really like people who hold super long grudges. I find it and endlessly entertaining. They get like imprinted on the brain and just, right? The truest thing you know is that you can't have Chiquita bananas because they made somebody mad once. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even remember often like what the source of the grudge is. You're just still mad about whatever it was that wronged you. And I love it. I love it. My roommate from college was one of the respondees. I don't even know if we got to this one in the episode. And she was saying how she brought swatches, couch swatches to a fabric store to try to make a matching pillow. And the lady at the fabric store yelled at her because she said, you're supposed to return those swatches when you get them. And she was outraged. Like the woman was accusing her of stealing the swatches. And she's like, they didn't want them back. And by the way, we spent like several thousand dollars on this couch. And it's like a four inch by four inch. It's not even it's like a three inch by three inch square of fabric. And how dare you accuse me of being a swatch thief? I need a little more information. So wait, so when she originally got the couch, she got a swatch of fabric and now it was time to replace it. And she was going back with the swatch from when she bought the couch. Let me clarify. No. <laughs> when she originally bought the couch, she got a swatch of fabric that was like, here are the different kinds of fabrics you could maybe get your couch in, right? Corduroy or sateen or whatever it might be. Little floral print, little stripes, whatever. She then bought the couch in, let's say, brown corduroy. I don't know what the heck the couch was. Probably not brown corduroy, but... <laughs> All right. Let's say, you know, a beautiful white sateen. I don't know. She brings that swatch to a fabric store because she wants to make a pillow that will go well on the couch. Go nicely. Got it. Got it. Got it. The fabric store lady then scolds her for having the couch swatch because she feels that she should have returned the couch swatch to the couch store. Uh, Why this woman has a dog in the couch company's fight, I don't know. Right, right. And then my friend Elena would tell you, 
They didn't even want the swatch back. But why was this woman inserting herself and accusing her of swatch thievery? She was very, very angry, and I would be too. She has a right to be mad and stay mad. And it's funny because I believe in that story, the couch swatch lady returning scolder person is also holding that's a long-held grudge that's just manifesting itself was she once employed by a couch company where she was constantly losing swatches to swatch thieves like why is she so (laughs) up in the fight about this what's her captain held grudge and just to be clear this lady worked at a completely unrelated fabric store like why again why was she representing the anger of the couch company we'll never know but we're still mad this podcast is here. Like the smaller the detail, the more deeply we're going to. That's delve. what I like. That's what I like. Even the Chiquita banana. It's like, I'm sure they did something horrible, you know, fine. Be mad. It wasn't like about systems of government or anything. It was not nearly. It wasn't like Chiquita banana labor practices. It was, as I recall, it just was something like her uncle knew a guy who. But even that might be big. Like, I want it really small. I want the one dollar squash to have been tried to be charged $5 for it, and then you put it back, and then the guy has attitude, and for 10 years, you grumble every time you pass it. That is my cup of tea, Amy. My favorite episode from this year, I'm not, it's like, we're only doing like a half a because it was weird things that freak us out that came out like two weeks ago. <laughs> but it was, that was recent. It was my funniest episode of the year. Please listen if you haven't yet. Everybody wrote in with the stuff again, like long held. A lot of this stuff is like, I've always been sure that a spider is going to bite me while I'm putting my coat on because one time, my babysitter said, don't put your sleeve, your you know arm in the sleeve of a coat without making sure there's not a spider in there. Like these things get to us and they just shape who we are. And the randomest stuff that freaks everybody out that I laughed more at that episode than I did possibly any episode ever, but certainly this year. But it also brought up some childhood trauma for me because I had always been afraid that something would bite me in the butt when I peed. And then somebody said that they found a rat in their toilet bowl. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. My irrational fear turns out to have been somewhat rational. Well, that's the thing. We did perhaps inadvertently reinforce the rationality (laughs) of some people's irrational fears. Some of the fears. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I was just thinking that because mine was, I was told as a child by a babysitter that if you sleep on your back, it gives you nightmares. And just last night I was trying to get comfortable and I started to drift off on my back and I was like, oh no. And I had to reposition myself because I believe all these decades later that sleeping on your back gives you nightmares. Did she lead you astray in, in other ways? I mean, it stayed with you, right? It definitely, I mean, of all the things that stayed with me. I mean, she made no other impact in my life that I remember except telling me that sleeping on your back gives you nightmares, which I believe to this day. And whenever I have a bad dream, I think to myself, I must have rolled over on my back. It's a back in my day thing that I think is worth keeping around. The babysitter who's like 15 minutes older than the kids that she almost always she is babysitting. Like my youngest daughter is old enough to babysit now. And sometimes the kid she's babysitting, it's like 
she's not that much older, but they're so excited to have this teenager come over and, and play Barbies with them. There's something about that that's different from like the professionalization of today's childcare. Just get the kid from next door who doesn't know what she's doing is what I'm saying. Yeah, we're in a funny stage where I have a kid who's old enough to babysit, but at the same time, like when we go on a long trip, like if we go into the city from where we live, we're an hour away and where we live, the house next door is for sale. Like there's no neighbors. We're kind of back from the street. And I always, I'm like, we kind of need a babysitter because Mm -hmm. just in case something went wrong, like, I mean, they have cell phones. I guess they would probably be okay, but we're in a funny, like weird spot of like, I can't get a 15 year old to babysit my 14 year old. He's like, you know, it's like a ninth grader and a 10th grader. It doesn't work. So now every once in a while I have to find like a 25-year-old babysitter to make it seem realistic that someone's in our house. I feel your pain. Yeah, it's difficult, Amy. Amy, favorite interview of the year. What was it for you? I have a tie. Is that a cop-out? I have a tie because I like to. It's fine. I had a tie and then I made a decision. So yes, I did not cop out like you, but go ahead. Okay. So I had two favorite interviews this year, both of which you should definitely listen to if you haven't yet. My first favorite was with Kate Mangino, who wrote the book Equal Partners, Improving Gender Equality at Home. We had a really cool interview with her. It's a great book full of research and really useful about how to really make this work. And do you remember what she talked about? She interviewed 40 caregivers, non-default parents, let's put it that way, who were showing up more in their households than the typical other parent of the two-parent household she was interviewing and asked these 40 people, like, what makes you like show up and do the laundry and take the kid to gymnastics and make dinner three nights a week. And all these people, most of whom were men, said that they just saw it like once growing up. And it wasn't like I was raised this way and my mother, you know, used to read feminist fairy tales to me. It just was like this family down the street had a dad who was doing the laundry. And one time I was like, men can't do laundry. And he was like, what are you talking about? Men do all sorts of things. And then the guy who heard that grew up to be somebody who's you know doing half of the labor in the household. So that changing the narrative in our homes, but more importantly for our kids, it isn't like we have to do everything differently and we have to think about nothing else ever and we have to have posters in every room. It's just the shift can happen a little bit at a time. Just like your babysitter who was like, don't fall asleep on your back or you'll have nightmares. This kid heard like, yeah, guys can do laundry too. And it changed the, you know, the trajectory of his life. It's interesting because I feel like this is something from another era almost in that I've told the story about a friend of my dad's who in the 50s at some point was talking about how his wife got so sick he had to hold her up to change the diapers. Like the idea that like men just don't change diapers. It does not happen. And that was certainly something that like decent people believed back in the day. Yes. And we've definitely had kids over who've said, because my husband almost always does breakfast, like, oh, your dad cooks? I've never seen my dad cook. Like the idea that, and it always strikes me and it feels like something from the oldie times, but those traditional kind of old school gender roles do come through. And certainly, you know, I think that I grew up in a house that had pretty strict gender roles. And my mom passed away a couple years ago and my dad is figuring it out and like, you know, making dinner for himself and kind of figuring it out. But it is notable that like, you know, we'll go and he'll have remade the beds in the house so that we can stay there. And I'm like, 
wait, you made the, you changed the bed. That seems really shocking to me. And he was a much more, I feel like, involved parent than some. But yeah, really interesting conversation. I should revisit that one. All right. I want to hear who your other person is right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so my second favorite interview that we did this year was, and again, this is mostly the book, which I found absolutely fascinating, Donna Jackson Nakazawa. We interviewed her this summer, and her book is called Girls on the Brink, Helping Our Daughters Thrive in an Era of Increased Anxiety, Depression, and Social Media. And again, I loved this book because there was a lot of research and a lot of science. But what I got out of this book in particular was the idea that hormones play a really specific role puberty in depression and anxiety and just sort of how girls view the world and knowing that we can, you know, help them more specifically. And she had, do you remember there were some signposts at the end, like very specific takeaways. So that's always our favorite kind of book, right? Like here's the problem and here's what you do about it. I loved that interview and I loved that book as well. Yeah, I find that one a little haunting as I have a, you know, tween and I think about it a lot, but I did think, and it reminds me a little bit of a conversation Jess Leahy, who we've had on the podcast, who wrote The Addiction Inoculation, talks about like how dangerous it is for kids to use alcohol as young people, that they're underdeveloped brains, that it's actually not better to be like, you have a beer at the table and then you'll learn to drink responsible. Yeah, that like... 
And I was thinking about this with social media and how my kid is going to get a phone now and like, what does it introduce? And I was thinking about that episode and thinking that a lot of it is just helping to contextualize the stuff that they see, but also keeping them off the phone as much as possible is the top of the triangle. Like you can't, and I have said, you know, you can't have Instagram. They don't have TikTok, all that stuff. But now they have YouTube, which has YouTube shorts, which is just TikTok. Like it's very hard to stay out of the stream of social media. That's, I think, before starting to deal with it, I was like, well, you just don't let them have TikTok. And then they don't have to see that it's, you know, you put on a tube top and dance and whatever. And it's not like that. It's so pervasive and it's so in your face, hard to get away from. You know, I think the delay, delay, delay thing, I think that works pretty well. And then there's a point where it doesn't work anymore. And then the pandemic also kind of changed things because that was a point where I felt like a lot of advice I was reading and it made sense to me is like, now's not the moment to take a phone away from your tween or teen because they're misbehaving, not doing their homework. Like when we were all, you know, stuck at home when they were remote schooling, like don't do that to them. That's their lifeline right now. That's their peer relationship. And I think that was true. But now, of course, we're back to some form of the way things used to be and the dependency on the phone and the preference of the phone and virtual communication to in-person communication. I see it. I see it in my kids that it's easier to text than to talk or, or it's easier to both be on our phones sitting next to our cousins on the couch than talking to our cousins. Yeah, I think that's right. The one rule that we have passed in our house and we passed it early because I think it would be hard to go back and redo this is that we have uh, my kids' bedrooms are upstairs and our rule is no devices go upstairs ever. And so if you're using your phone, like I will occasionally hear somebody watching those YouTube shorts. I hear somebody curse or I hear someone being like, say something inappropriate. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are we watching? You know, the, the feeling that somebody is involved in what you're seeing and watching. And I don't have control over it when they leave the house. And I have, you know, I know that there's stuff that goes on on the phones when they're not in my house that I don't have control over. But I have found that's a little bit helpful in keeping control. That's a really good rule, I think. What was your favorite interview? I loved the interview that I did with the dumb dads. Oh, right. Solo, solo interview. Yes, you weren't there, which is not why I loved it. But You know, a lot of the interviews we do, we dive into kind of deep subjects and we talk really seriously. And the dumb dads, first of all, I find them so funny. If you don't recognize the name, they do. You would know them from TikTok. They do the like, it's like a sports center press conference, but they're the dads. So it'll be like, the reporters are like, what happened out there on Halloween? And they're like, yeah, well, first of all, we didn't take the wagon. That was a huge, that really hurt the team. And they just do these hilarious interviews where they get grilled about how they approach situations as dads. And they're both in LA, which is where I raised my kids until they were, you know, six, four and two or something like that. And we were just talking about trying to make it through the L.A. Zoo. I don't know. It was just tons of laughs. And then behind the scenes moment, 
One of them was drinking Topo Chico, which if you know, you know. I mean, now it's a little bit on the Northeast, but Texas and California have a ton of Topo Chico. And it's this kind of sparkling. It's like a Perrier, but why it's better, I don't know. Well, it has like twice as many bubbles, I feel like. It's super, super bubbly. It's so yummy. And I associate it. I think I mostly drink it like while I'm hanging out on the porch with my sisters-in-law in Texas. And I just it gives me warm fuzzies. Topo Chico. And so we did the interview with the Dumb Dads and we, one of them was drinking a Topo Chico the whole time. And I was like, oh, it's so hard to get Topo Chico now in New York. For some reason during the pandemic, there's a Topo Chico supply. You couldn't get it. And about a week after the interview, I received a large box in the mail. And one of the Dumb Dads had sent me a bottle of Topo Chico and it was so nice. So that's, it was mostly my favorite interview of the year because of bribery. But let me tell you, that bottle of Topo Chico, it lit up my month and it was so great. And they're just hilariously funny. I just really enjoy them. And they're one of those people, you know, every once in a while we interview people who we know because they're known people. And they're one of those people who I see all the time on TikTok. And to be talking to them on, we do a little like um, video screen while we talk. And I'm like, I'm talking to these guys from TikTok. Like, it's like, those are the guys from TikTok. It's funny. Okay. Let's talk about what was the most surprising and or useful, could be the same, could be different thing that we learned during an episode this year. I had a tie, so I'll say my tie as well. But mine was Lynetta Willis, Dr. Lynetta Willis, talking about stable misery. I mean, and this is something that I've said to maybe 100 people since we did that interview, and their faces always like, oh, that's the term that I've been looking for, that this is water. (laughs) Like That's what this is. Stable misery. This is water. This is water. Exactly. The idea that like, I mean, especially in a hard year with a lot of bad news from all over the place, the idea that like, well, I can't really complain because I'm in my warm house and everything and people are generally safe and cared for, that giving yourself the right to say, hey, if there's something that is just... I'm just marching through my days in this state of stable misery. That's worth examining and changing. Game changer for me. It was a total game changer. And it just sprung to mind the randomest connection, but it connected for me. Madeline, the children's book, Madeline, the page that says in the middle of the night, Miss Clavel turned on the light and said, something is not right. It's that stable misery moment, right? Of like, like, wait a minute, this isn't working. And it doesn't have to be that way. And the whole episode was sort of, there are ways out of this. Again, stable misery. It's a thing. You've been in it. This is what it looks like. Sound familiar? Now, here's what you do about it. My favorite kind of episode. Yeah, it just was so, such a revelation. And it, you know, we talk a lot about like spousal balance and how to help each other more and blah, blah. But this idea of, I think, especially as Oldie Locks ourselves, many people I know are in the phase of life where they've been married maybe 15 or 20 years. The kids are growing up and it feels like, well, this is it. This is what I wanted. I, you know, have my home and I have this spouse and I have these kids and we're kind of humming along and like my dream came true and here we are. But not allowing that space of 
wait, there is a point to be happy. This is what we were talking about on this is supposed to be more fun. Like we just kind of, I think, get into a role of accepting like stable misery. I mean, you don't have to define it anymore. And that's the general solution that she talks about of like getting on the same side of the net with your facing problems together as opposed to apart. I just that interview was a huge game changer for me. I loved it. Yes. I think about it often being on the same side of the net because when bad things happen, it's just, or hard things happen. It's just easy to be like, and you know who's not making it any easier? You and your stupid face, right? You. (laughs) What it's really about. Your stupid face. (laughs) And I've seen that with my partner and my kids kind of coming for me a little sooner than I would have before that episode and be like, oh, this is what this is. Like, we're going to blame each other instead of getting on the same side of the net and sort of readdressing that and redirecting that sooner, which is a great gift to be able to see that coming. Yeah. All right, Amy, hit me. What was the most surprising or useful thing you learned this year? My most sort of useful and surprising episode was Mom Rage, Mm. which we didn't have a guess. That was an episode where we did the research and talked it out. But the stuff that I learned in that about Mom Rage, I mean, both of us were very forthcoming about when that had happened for us and why it's happening. But there are specific reasons. So the things that I got out of that episode, there were a couple of them, were that rage builds on rage, that you can be, when you're triggered out of a threat to your safety, your self-esteem, or your dignity, right? That you're triggered. And now that fuse is lit. And that can, your body can sort of tip into a place of readiness that will last now for a couple of hours. Like you're turned up for what? And then something else will happen. Turned up for what? Right? And then there's a sequence of provocations. Or what my friend, the dog trainer, taught me is called trigger stacking. Like just this morning, my sister-in-law's dogs, one attacked the other. And it was because there was like a stressful morning in the house, right? And the kids were stressed about something. And then the kids left for school and then one dog attacked the other dog. This never happens. These dogs live together. But it happened that morning because there was stress in the house And there was a thing and a thing and a thing. And then there's a trigger. So the dog trainer would be like, well, what was the stack? The house was a little bit stressed. Maybe the food wasn't out that morning. And and then that's when something happens for an animal or for a human. The way out of it, I'm quoting psychologist Dolph Zillman. I didn't come up with this myself. And this is in the Mom Rage episode. That by internally observing any step of the anger response, kind of like just what I was saying before, like, oh, here it goes. Like, here's this thing. My triggers are being stacked. Oh, I'm feeling a little like, here it comes, right? I'm, I'm ready to have a fight with the next person who comes along by just being like, oh, here it is. Oh, here's that thing. I'm feeling it. I'm soaking in it. Just that moment of awareness, like, oh, this is what's happening. This is what happens when somebody gets angry. And noticing it is enough to disrupt the cycle and keep it from continuing to escalate. Most of the time. The other episode I wanted to shout out is our episode with Casey Davis, who now has a podcast on our network that is called Struggle Care that is fantastic. I'm sure all of our listeners are listening to it already. But I had heard this term earlier. It's become my word of the year, morally neutral. And the idea of like a dirty house is morally neutral, like that taking the shame out of right now my house. I mean, truly, like I just was walking through it and like stepping over nine million like discarded socks. We just haven't been cleaning this week and it's all fallen to heck. That idea of like the moral neutrality, not Adding to the dish in your sink, the fact that the dish in your sink is looking at you and being like, you loser, what am I going to lie here all day with this crusted mac and cheese on me? And taking the moral judgment out of cleaning, game 
changer. All right, we'll be right back with more favorite episodes. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And now, things you are definitely forgetting to do this holiday season. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Getting a present for your husband's goddaughter. No, not that goddaughter, the other one. Oh, and also the other one, he has three, I think. Yes, you did remind him that it was his job to get them, but he forgot. You also forgot the one thing you went to the store for. How did you manage to spend $300 anyway? No idea. Good news, you finally found the perfect gift for your disgruntled teen. Bad news, you forgot to calculate the extra shipping time due to supply chain issues. No way that thing is getting here on time. You hid the presents and you forgot where they are. The last thing you remember is thinking, this is a really good hiding spot. The kids are never going to find them. You are definitely forgetting that you promised yourself last year that this year you were going to put a limit on presents. Yeah, you didn't do that. Did you get the hot chocolate for the party? What about the nog? Oh man, you forgot the nog, didn't you? OMG holiday cards. All right, maybe you can do those next year. This has been Things You Are Definitely Forgetting to Do This Holiday Season. From the What Fresh Hell Podcast. All right, Amy, let's talk about episodes where you most appreciated the listener response. I always appreciate the listener response. I do, too, unless it's mean, (laughs) which it rarely is. But every once in a while, the listener response is you have a five head, and I would prefer you to keep that to yourself. I know I have a very large forehead. A five? Oh, I didn't know. I was going to, I don't know what that was. (laughs) I remember when we first started putting videos up, somebody said, that 
Margaret has a forehead you could um, broadcast movies on. And I was like, okay, I have a big forehead. I mean, what am I going to do about it? And then another person, when we were doing mom videos on YouTube, the only comment was, why are the moms so old? (laughs) (laughs) Now, that kind of listener response, I could frankly do without. Keep it to yourself, people. You could always just turn to the person who you're with and be like, wow, that lady's got a big forehead and then move on with your day. You don't have to type it to me. Hurts my feelings. The episode that I had the most appreciation of the listener response was the episode, Will We Ever Get Back to Normal, which we did in May. And it was about the like endish of COVID, but it still felt like things were what we were coming to realize then was that normal means something different now for good and for bad. That's right. It can be good or bad, but it's different. What we were realizing, and it took us about two full years of pandemic to understand was like things were not going to go back to the way they were. They were going to settle into a a new normal. And I think that's kind of what's happened in the six months since things are getting, I don't know, at least in the East Coast, they're getting a little intense again with everybody's kid has something and they've been coughing for three weeks and then you have a two and this and just this week at my kid's school, a couple of teachers have COVID like and it's just a sort of here we go. But it does feel like this is the new normal. Will we ever get back to normal? Yes, this is normal. This is water. This is, this is what winter's like now. Yeah, I think that's right. And the COVID thing, we talked about this so much during the pandemic and it. I was just saying yesterday... <laughs> The desire to have someone tell us what the heck we should do is so strong and it's never coming. Like, I think I have finally gotten that it's never coming. But even now, we had people who got COVID over Thanksgiving. And then it's like, when should I get on a plane? Are we still doing the regular guidelines? Like, at some point, you know, I've recently had COVID. The person who had COVID, like, I guess I can go take care of them. Because I don't think I'm going to get it again, but I don't really know. Like, are we still doing the, like, COVID means you go in your room and no one else ever comes near you. And then people I know who work in the hospital are like, no, no, it's fine. Like, we just put a mask on in the COVID ward. It's fine. And it's like, (laughs) we never have gotten clear on anything. And this is just how we're going to go with it. And at some point I said, you know, it just changed from, okay, nobody get COVID. And now it seems like, okay, it's just everybody get COVID. And then there's always been this kind of moral aspect to it of like, it is up to you to prevent the spread. But like, what does that look like anymore? I was down for that plan, but now are we still doing the thing where it's super frustrating and confusing as always? Yes. And it's apparently the new normal. We're all in such different places and have been. And that was part of the problem with this pandemic, right? Like some people are like, it's been fine here. It always has been. Like there's just people for whom the pandemic was just a kind of a boring couple of weeks. And there are other people for whom it was a lot worse than that. And I don't know. It's just been so great to do these episodes over the last couple of years and have listeners reach out like, yeah, me too. Like, I'm finding this really hard, too. I'm really struggling with this, too. Like, it's such a privilege to be able to talk about this stuff with you and then hear from our listeners that they responded to a typical thing. Like, the pivoting episode was... That was mine. That was my choice. Oh, am I stealing it? All right. Well, you talk about it because it was a great response. Yeah. We had talked about pivoting in terms of you know, again, being at a phase where our kids are getting older and kind of what's next. And I think Amy and I have the advantage slash disadvantage of having had careers where both of us had to constantly reinvent, whether it was Amy, like, 
playing ingenue roles as an actress. Okay, well, wait a minute. I might be aging out of ingenue. Now what's next? And like, what kind of roles are available? And me starting as a comedy writer and then just kind of, first of all, and most importantly, not really getting a ton of work. I mean, I can't tell this story as if like, and I just didn't like it. Like they didn't like me, number one. <laughs> the scripts I was getting, right, they just weren't roles I could see myself playing. They weren't what I wanted. <laughs> like, okay, nobody wanted to hire me. Got it. Okay. But just not wanting to keep climbing that hill or banging my forehead against that particular door and being able to pivot to lots of different things. And I think that we have a great perspective to offer in that I had been a comedian for a while and then I pivoted to being an actress for like six months and that went horribly wrong and I was terrible at it. And have I ever told you the story where I went to an audition for Soft and Dry? You've told me. I don't think it's ever made the airwaves. Tell us the story. It's good. Soft and Dry deodorant. And the line was soft and dry can help hide when you're nervous inside. And when I read it, the guy was like, okay, can you read it though? Like you're not making fun of the line. <laughs> And I thought, I guess I can't. Like, I don't think this is for me, you know? And so that was a bust. So then I started writing and oh, maybe I'd write a book. No, I'll go to Hollywood. Okay. My best friend and I started writing pilots together. We went out and we were always about to be, you know, we had a big fancy age and we were going to the lots. We were doing the thing. And then it was reality TV and no one could get a job. It was writer's strike. It just, nothing ever fell my way, basically. And... Then I pivoted to like, I'll have a blog. That's what I'll do. I'll write about momming. And that kind of just never went anywhere. Again, like some people liked it, but it wasn't, nobody was ever reading it. I couldn't get advertisers. I didn't have enough people looking at it. Then I took a kind of corporate job and that was not that satisfying. But all of it kind of led me to like, hey, I wonder what Amy Wilson is up to these days. Because you also had been like, I'd see you on TV. And then, oh, Amy's in a Broadway show. Oh, this, that. And then, oh, she wrote a book. And she has a blog, too. And we were, you know, because we've known each other forever, because we met through my sister, which I'm supposed to say, back in college, but we were not friends at all until we started doing the podcast together. And people always, people sometimes describe the show, especially in the early days of like, oh, it's two best friends talking about their kids. And I always say, what's funny is the day we started the podcast, I didn't know your kids' names. I didn't know how many kids you had, basically. I mean, we were really starting from who is this person? So I think the listener response to that episode was good because we are not coming. I used to go to, you know, blog conferences or whatever it was, and people would get up and, well, how did you do it? And it's like, well, I put my blog up and then I had this viral post and now I have 5 million followers and it's just amazing being me. And I would think, okay, but where am I in that story? You know, Where's my entry point. Yeah. And I think that we both have much more stories about a lot of <laughs> difficult, fun, challenging, failed enterprises, some that were briefly successful, some that were really rewarding in different ways, but that finding this new career as podcasters in midlife, just from always pivoting, I think is useful. Yeah. And people loved that episode. And I have been, 
I've been working on a book this year. I've probably mentioned that a couple of times. Yes, Amy is pivoting again. Pivoting again. And the book's not about pivoting so much, but it is, I'm discovering as I'm sort of reading the whole thing and putting it together now, it's kind of about knowing when to keep going and try harder to make something work and know when to pivot and try something else. Know when to walk away and know when to run, to quote Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> to quote the great Kenny Rogers. Yes, indeed. That should go. That should be the end of the Spotify playlist, please. Okay. The Gambler. All right. Yeah. Such an old. People are like, what are they talking about? It's a really good song. You should know. <laughs> Back in my day. You're welcome. Well, you're going to find out. And let me tell you, <laughs> when this song gets in your head, good luck ever getting it out, people. Ever. We've given you the gift of the e-worm that lasts a lifetime. And one other thing I want to say about that is I feel like in the course of doing the podcast, this was true about the pandemic. This was true about pivoting. I feel like when we started the podcast, our aim was sort of to be like, we're going to research and find the answers and give them to you. And that as the podcast has gone along, we've gotten much more comfortable with having conversations that are like, what is the answer here? We're not sure and we're struggling. And I think that that... In general, when I think about the episodes that people respond to the most, it seems to me like people do respond to like us being in the same water as them much more than us kind of trying to be like, well, let me tell you a thing or two about being a parent. Yeah, we don't have all the answers, but let's sit in the, I don't know, sit in the middle part together. Yeah, figure it out. Sit in the gray, figure it out. <laughs> sit in the gray area together. This is the last episode of the year, so I thought it would be nice to do a shout out to all the people behind the scenes who make this show Everything that it is, three episodes a week. I have to start by shouting out because in the first two and a half years of this podcast, I did all the editing. So when you listen to the bad edits in the first, you know, 100 episodes or so, you can blame me. It's so bad, but you know. <laughs> but now we have the awesome and wonderful Christy Hausler of Team Podcast, who does so much more than editing for us. But she edits the shows. She helps manage all of the podcasts on the Atlas Media Network. And she is a rock star. And if you have any editing or audio needs, Christy Hausler at Team Podcast is who you want to talk to. Oh, she's the best. I want to give a shout out to Erica Ferjuelli. She is our production manager and she came on board this year. She creates the show notes. She creates all the images we share on social media. She helps wrangle the guests. She helps pull ideas that are being mentioned on social media that would be good for episodes and brings them to our attention. She makes this train run and we couldn't do it without her. Thanks, Erica. Next up. On our shout out board is Gabby Lindgren, who is our assistant director of operations. She is the whatever we can't figure it out. We're like, maybe Gabby can do this for us. She it would be hard to even describe how much she does other than the fact that she is really smart and talented and awesome and figures out so many things that I don't know how to. And that is why she gets a big heart emoji from me. So 2022 was the year that we moved from having our own show to having an entire network of shows. And Gabby has been instrumental in creating systems that work for all those shows, making everything work, onboarding, communications, what could be better. And Gabby just makes it all work. I want to give a shout out to Sarah Levithan. She's our head of sales. This show is possible because of our sponsors and because you guys listen to the ads and use the URLs and use the codes. It really, really helps. And Sarah sells the ads, not just for our podcast, but for all the podcasts in our network. And she does an amazing job. 
And Sarah is a uh, what fresh hell OG. She's been with us An for OG. years and years and yes. years. And, and mom of two little ones. Many, many hats while raising two little ones. So she gets the mom shout out. And we also want to thank Keela Hill Trawick with Littlefish, who is our accountant and keeps track of the money, which considering my math skills, wow, it would be a huge problem if we did not have Akila <laughs> on our team. She has really helped us as we've moved from show to network. She's been amazing. And I want to say this team is an all-female team, as you may have noticed, because sisters are doing it for themselves. Are doing it for themselves. That's also going on the Spotify playlist, yes. please. Erica, who will be putting that together. We have to stop mentioning songs because otherwise <laughs> Erica is going to spend her entire holiday season pulling Oldie Locke songs and resenting us. Erica, by the way, is too young for all of our references. She's a young Deluxe. And let me tell you, she has not heard the song The Gambler. Uh-uh. There's no way she knows sisters are doing it for themselves, but she's going to. And she's going to be glad she did. We are so grateful to all of you for listening this year. And like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes with a playlist for every episode that we mentioned today. And uh, we are just so glad you listened. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, friends. We'll talk to you next time. So long. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.